As we come to the end of the year, we thought we'd look at what organizational shifts and challenges are priority right now for business leaders and leaders of all types of organizations. To do that, I'm here with Debbie DeWitt, Marketing Communications Manager for Visix. Hi, Deb. Hi, Derek. As always, I'd like to thank Deb for talking to me today and everybody out there for listening to this episode of Digital Signage Done Right. You can subscribe to the podcast and follow along with a transcript on the Physics website under resources and podcasts. You can also review us wherever you listen to this and on IMDb. Whether you're using digital signage or not, our podcast gives you practical tips for communications and content to better engage your audience. I'm Derek DeWitt. Welcome to Digital Signage Done Right. Okay, so we're going to talk about McKinsey & Company's report titled The State of Organizations 2023, 10 Shifts Transforming Organizations, a list. I love lists. I love lists. This is my Christmas present to myself. Yeah. Now, uh, when was this written? Uh, It's from April 2023, Mm. but I think these issues are still top of mind for most companies. And it affects everyone in an organization, but especially leadership and the people who are managing communications. So this report is the result of a survey of more than 2,500 business leaders. So a decent sample. They found that organizations are grappling with economic and geopolitical turbulence and issues that substantially affect their internal structures, their operations, and their people. Yeah, the report calls out 10 of the top challenges that leaders identified as most important. And nine out of 10 of those, I think, directly affect or deal with employee satisfaction, well-being, and productivity. Huh. Yeah, so adapting to new employee mindsets, uh, new preferences, and definitely new workflows is still paramount. Okay, well, let's get to the 10 organizational shifts that everyone's so focused on. So the first one is, number one, increasing speed and strengthening resilience. So 50%, half of the survey participants say that their organizations are unprepared to respond to future shocks or disruptions. Yeah, 50%. Scary. We're not ready. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, those shocks can come from inside or outside the company. It's really any unexpected event that affects your business. I mean, I think we saw with the COVID pandemic uh, how unprepared uh, some organizations were. And uh, some are still trying to find their way out of it. Yeah, I think that's probably the most you know relevant or obvious example. But also economic and political shocks can cause big disruptions. Uh, we know in supply chains, in consumer demand, mm-hmm. uh, in inflation, all of that, you know, taking out loans, that all affects a company. I mean, while we're recording this, we have two major wars going on right now. You know, so there are sanctions, there are embargoes. These mm. all cause problems. And uh, unfortunately, school shootings are more common and actually business shootings are more common. Mm. Definitely, if you're a university or a high school, you need to have a plan in place for that. Yeah, I think uh, this is kind of all about war gaming possible scenarios, if, if uh, I can use that term here, mm. and, and being prepared or at least as prepared as you can be. Yeah, this is the one issue on my list when I said 9 out of 10 directly affect employees. I didn't count this one, but however the organization handles it will certainly trickle down and affect them. Yeah, for sure. All right, number two is finding a true hybrid. Hybrid. There's the word again. There's that word. Uh, In this context, it means that organizations are still trying to find a balance between in-person work and remote work. 
obviously since the pandemic, about 90% of U.S. organizations have adopted some kind of hybrid model where people work remotely at least some of the time. It's here to stay, folks. Sorry, it just it just is. Yeah, and I think we can stop apologizing for it at this point. I think employers are starting to see the benefits. You know, employees... Yeah, employees want it and you have to offer it to attract and retain talent. Mm. And you know, this particular survey says four out of five employees who've worked in hybrid models over the past two years wanna keep doing that. Yeah, and I'd say one uh, very important advantage for any kind of organization for having this kind of a model is your talent pool isn't limited by geography, especially if you have like a really particular skill set that you're looking for for a position to limit it to, oh, and they have to be in the you know greater Atlanta area. <laughs> it just limits your uh, possibilities. Yeah, and I think, you know, the issue is, according to this survey, that companies are still figuring out what works best for both them and their employees. You know, I just read an article today about there was a lot of, you know, news made when Zoom called employees back to the office. Right, ironic, as yeah, some people thought. But not. It was, it's it's clickbait headlines. It's, it's causing, you know, conflict. But what really happened was what Zoom said, if you live within 50 miles of the office, you need to come in two days a week. Mm. If you don't live within 50 miles, you don't have to. Right. So when we talk about hybrid, that's the thing. It's not that employers are calling everyone back to the office five days a week. It's that they're putting something in place that some people need to come in some of the time. Right. And it's, it's really about your job, what you do and, you know, do you actually need to be there? And there are some studies that say there are some advantages to being able to collaborate in person, things like that. Sure. Sure. I think we, we all know that. Speaking of collaboration, we all have a new collaboration partner out there, which ties into the third item on the list, which is making way for applied AI, artificial intelligence. Personally, I think AI is the most exciting thing that has happened this year, maybe ever. And it's not just organizational shifts. I think artificial intelligence is going to fundamentally change many aspects of our lives. Oh, yeah. I'm so pro AI. I'm like, yeah, give me that assistant right now. Let's go. Work, life, I'm happy. Let's let's get in there. The thing is, is that organizations are just now figuring out how it can help their operations, you know, how they can incorporate it into their offerings if it's a product or a service. Uh, but it's also a big opportunity to help their employees be more productive. Mm. The survey showed that organizations are already using AI to radically improve ways of working and make faster data-driven decisions. And that's just right now when we have this kernel of what AI can do. So mm -hmm. I can only imagine, you know, of course it's top of mind because it's evolving. So how we use it's going to continue to evolve. Yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned that it's evolving because it occurs to me that because AI is changing so quickly and people are innovating uh, how to use it so fast that it itself becomes a sort of disruptor and organizations have to figure out a way to adjust to that. I mean, hey, let's use AI. And then, oh, six months later, hey, AI is kind of a different animal now. And, you know, it's a fantastic tool if you use it right. But if you're not using it right, it's just you know, more busy work. It doesn't make any sense. We have done a few episodes on AI uh, of the podcast. You can check the transcript on the Physics website for links to those. Number four is new rules of attraction, retention, and attrition. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Many people have drastically changed their attitudes towards work over the last few years. Mm. We've talked about work-life balance, where they work, when they work, and what they expect from employers. Yeah, it's not just uh, insurance and a 401k anymore, uh, or maybe an ergonomic chair. People want and expect and actually demand more. Yeah, companies really have to rethink what they're offering in order to get and to keep the best people. Uh, I see here that 39% of the survey respondents in this article in seven different countries say that they're planning to leave their jobs in the next three to six months. So that was in April. Uh, It'd be interesting to see if if they did. Yeah, absolutely. But that's that's a big number. You know, that's nearly 40% of your people thinking about where am I going to go next in the next few months? That means you're out there now trying to hire and train people. We all know that that means a huge expense. It means lost time, lost productivity. So organizations have to develop some sort of employee value proposition that matches what modern workers expect. Mm. And the challenge is balancing that with what also doesn't hurt the business or what helps the business. Yeah. And I don't think it's impossible for an organization to find that balance. It just takes effort. Yeah. And this is a top of mind thing. Um, I think this plays into the hybrid thing, but I think a big part of this challenge comes from that they haven't addressed it until now. The mindset of employees has taken a huge shift in recent years and right now it's labor's market. Yeah, that's true. And and let's not forget, we like to blame the pandemic, but these changes were all, these are all dot-com innovations. All of this started back in the noughties and 2017, 2018, if you go back and, and do some Google searching, you'll see there are hundreds of articles for business leaders uh, saying, hey, this new workforce they have completely different ways of approaching what is and is not important for them. Yeah. I mean, just like everything else, we've talked about AI is evolving. Well, you know, employee needs and wants are evolving. And at the same time, I do believe organizations are evolving. If they weren't, it wouldn't be listed as a top of mind thing in this in this report. Sure. Absolutely. Five is closing the capability chasm. Nice. Yeah. So McKinsey says, quote, Companies often announce technological or digital elements in their strategies without having the right capabilities to integrate them. It's almost like they go, hey man, we're doing digital because digital is a hot subject. Yeah, don't launch a product or service or digital tool without having the infrastructure and the people to support it. (laughs) You know, it's kind of that simple. And I get it why this is top of mind because we all want to be disruptors. We all want to be first to market. And so sometimes you can develop some offering, but you haven't trained your employees. You know, you don't have the right tools to support it. Uh, You know, that all makes for bad customer experience. So you need the right people and processes in place before you go throwing stuff out to the public. Yeah, that's for sure. Or to your uh, employees as well. I I think it works for internal things uh, just as much as it does for the public. Yeah, actually, the study also said, uh, and this is a quote, only 5% of respondents said their organizations already have the capabilities they need. (laughs) So that means 95% are unprepared or are launching stuff without being able to support it well. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, and I think it's weird that this is a top of mind organizational shift. It seems like common sense, you know, it's basic business sense that you have to do something better than your competitors to succeed. So why would you throw out something that 
you know, is just going to cause chaos or not work. I think because there's a lot of this sense of uh, almost urgency. There's this rush like, quit, we got to do something online or we got to yeah. we got to do something on social. Or, yeah, I mean, sometimes, oh, I guess we got to get digital signage, but we don't really know what that entails. We don't really, we're not really ready to put the resources required to get that up and running and, and having it work correctly. Um, you know, I, it's like when companies go to the marketing people and say, okay, uh, so uh, make a viral video. Yeah, it doesn't you, work. <laughs> you can't make a viral video. It, it might go viral and there are some perhaps guidelines. Yeah, I get that this is a struggle between wanting to innovate quickly and having your company ready for those fast pivots. That's why it's made the top 10. Number six, walking the talent tightrope. They like alliteration. Yes. Uh, this is about getting and keeping the best people, but not breaking the budget to do that. Uh, this is especially true for critical or what you might call high value roles. So McKinsey Research says 20 to 30% of these critical roles are not filled by the most appropriate people. You know, it's the Peter principle. Uh, the, the people who shouldn't be promoted sometimes are. Well, and it's not just high level. Like they say, it's critical or high value, not necessarily high level. So I know this seems obvious, matching talent to the position, but I got to say, anyone with any work experience knows at least one person <laughs> in some company they worked in or somewhere they worked where that person did not fit their job. Uh, and usually it's more than one person. And that person's not happy in that position. Let's just be honest. They, they don't like it. They're not doing a good job. They know they're not. They're, they're out of their league. They're out of their depth. They're out of their skill set, and they're not, uh, not going to be good at it because they don't like it. Well, it could be that, but it doesn't mean that they're necessarily out of their depth. They're just mismatched. You mm. have some very bright, intelligent, hard workers who could be put in the wrong position. Mm. You know, you can have someone who could be very valuable if you just match them to a job that works for their skill set. And sometimes it's about defining that job. Job descriptions mm -hmm. are an art, man. And then, you know, trying to find the perfect employee for them is hard. Yeah, the, the survey actually says the highest performers in a role are 800% more productive than an average performer in the same role. And that's, that's huge. As like you said, it's not that this person's smarter than that other person. It's that, you know, someone who's really, really good at speaking to people, if you make them a coder suddenly, that's maybe not such a great match. Just because they're good at public speaking, they might not even be a good sales rep. Right. You know, that's not what they do, you know? So um, I personally think this is the most important issue on the list because of that stat, 800% more productive. And I think it goes hand in hand with everything else we're talking about, about employee wants, about hybrid, you know, all of these things. And I get it though. This is, you know, like they said, the talent tightrope isn't just matching people to jobs. It's about doing it within your budget. Mm -hmm. Every organization has to watch the bottom line. So it's a constant challenge, not just this year. Number seven is, and I, I quite like this one, leadership that is inspiring and self-aware, which is kind of the new twist there. Let's face it, without good leaders, you're screwed. But what we consider a good leader has changed over time. Yeah, the fact that we say leadership instead of management yeah. is itself a big shift you know management is what i grew up with and it was about top-down planning and dealing with quote resources um leadership is very much thought of as about motivating and inspiring people 
<laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. I think a lot of organizations think, like I said, that this is a, a post-pandemic thing, but it, it's just not. This change from bureaucratic management to leadership really actually started, and here's the funny thing, way back in the 1930s with something called the Human Relations Movement, the 30s. Wow, wow. Yeah, I think that's a surprising thing. For all of you listeners, I think that's the big wowsy moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, motivation and inspiration have always been key. I think the only difference today is that the people you're dealing with are more spread out, uh, but it's really evolved with the social consciousness and sort of human-centered mindsets that dominate the workforce today. Uh, I think your employees expect this because they're more aware of it. Everybody's mm. more educated on these topics. And also, I think we have a lot more workers who are socially conscious, who are human-centered, and so they expect that. You know, it's sad that uh, the McKinsey survey says, quote, only 25% of respondents say their leaders are engaged, passionate, and inspire employees to the best possible extent. That's not a great number. No, a quarter of the respondents, but still, if it's representative, that's we got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, I will say, every article I read, uh, there are a lot of articles about hybrid work, and every day one of them says, it's, you know, it's wonderful, and another one will say, it's killing companies. But almost every article I read about the negatives of hybrid says, when productivity falls off or those employees are dissatisfied, especially with their leadership, it's because their managers aren't good at leading remote teams. Right, which is a different kind of animal. I mean, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very different. And it's we're not talking about the C-suite here. We're talking about department, team managers, you know, and if they're falling down, it's just for some reason, more glaring when it comes to hybrid. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think a lot of this is about leaders, like you said, being self-aware. That's huge. And they have to be open to new ideas and especially criticism and feedback. Yeah, that's true. And I know I'm going to sound like a jerk here a little bit, but I think as we see more younger people getting into leadership positions, we're going to see these desirable traits uh, become more commonplace. It's kind of already baked into just who they are and how they approach the world. No, I don't think you sound like a jerk. I completely agree. <laughs> and for us Gen Xers, well, we're going to do what we've always done is go, is this okay? <laughs> <laughs> Sit back and see what happens. <laughs> I guess this works. More yeah. Doritos, please. Right, right, yeah. Uh, number eight is make meaningful progress on diversity, equity, and inclusion. DEI, which I know has become quite the topic in the culture wars, but uh, ignore all that, okay? The survey says, quote, less than 70% of respondents say their organizations express transformative DEI aspirations, and, quote, only 47% say they have the infrastructure in place to realize their DEI aspirations. Well, yeah, but what I do like is this is top of mind. Let's mm. start there, that, that leaders are thinking about it. And they're talking about their, you know, these stats aren't great, but they are saying they have DEI aspirations. They're just not good. They don't have the infrastructure and they're not good at, you know, actually executing on those. So mm. I think you talked before about younger generations DEI is also totally baked into their worldview. So whether it's weaponized in politics or whatever, it isn't going anywhere. You know, organizations yeah. have to address it. And that's why it's on this list. And let's face it, we're back to talent. Uh, if you want to attract good talent and retain good talent, then you have to support their priorities. 
Yeah, and DEI is a priority, but unfortunately, it looks like more organizations need to not only adopt DEI policies, but put some stuff in place that means you can actually do what you're saying you're going to do about it. Yeah, you got to walk that talk. Yeah. Uh, Number nine is uh, about mental health. Quote, investing in a portfolio of interventions. I absolutely love that. Portfolio (laughs) of interventions. I don't know. I just see a a file folder in my mind. (laughs) Uh, The survey says roughly nine out of ten organizations offer some kind of wellness program for employees. But general health and well-being scores are still low. Yeah, and I always wonder what does wellness program? How is that defined in the survey? You know, uh, this, we have a poster, right? Well, <laughs> we have insurance, you know, and this right. can open a can of worms about insurance coverage or preventative care and other issues. But I won't go there. Mm. I think the basic takeaway here is that organizations need to take a hard look at what they offer and the support they give their employees. Yeah, and keep in mind this is not a one-time fix. You have to have systems in place that allow you to evaluate and adjust to meet the needs of your employees as those needs evolve over time. The survey says, quote, employees facing mental health and well-being challenges are four times more likely to want to leave their organization. That might not even be something specific to that organization. It could just be that they're like, I just need to shake things up. I'm, I'm, I'm unhappy and I need a change. And one of those changes could be, I'm leaving this place. Yeah, I think this is, we're seeing this worldwide where people are addressing this. You've got uh, the UK experimenting with, I think, four-day work weeks. You know, you had the French cut work weeks. You have people saying, hey, if you're going to email someone or text them on their phone after, you know, whatever, five o'clock or 6 p.m., you know, consider that time worked, especially for hourly people. A lot of people are saying, you know, work shouldn't dominate the headspace and, whatever goes on at the workplace needs to be wellness focused. You know, we've talked a lot about for digital signage campaigns, doing some wellness tips, doing some health and benefits reminders, some perks, you know, little little motivational and inspirational things to just make the day be better. But, you know, I think this goes back again to talent retention. You need to walk your talk if you're, especially if you're advertising yourself as focused on worker well-being, you know, or work-life balance. Work-life balance is the new thing that everybody's putting in their job descriptions. Well, make sure that's true. Make sure you support your people and not just support them after the fact when they are having issues, but do everything you can to keep them from having issues. Right. And that's what they mean by portfolio of interventions. Try and get ahead of the problems so that the problems don't develop. Yeah, and I'm thrilled this is on this list too because I really like the way they phrased it because a lot of lists have work-life balance as the topic. That's not what this is. It's mental health and a portfolio of solutions. Right, and keep in mind, we're talking about mental health. We're not talking about, is that person crazy? We're talking about stress. We're talking about a whole suite of things that is just, and I know in the, in the olden days, I know when I first started working, um, the management philosophy was very much suck it up buttercup, uh, tough luck for you. But the, that's the, we don't do this anymore. Nobody likes it. I didn't like it, but I, there were no alternatives in my day. Now there are alternatives and people just won't stand for being treated like cogs. Well, the good news is it's top of mind. So, you know, business leaders are looking at how to address this. Mm. 
All right, and the 10th and last of the organizational shifts is called Efficiency Reloaded. The sequel. Efficiency. <laughs> the sequel. Colon Reloaded. Over a third of leaders who took the survey listed efficiency as one of their top three priorities. 40% of them said that their organizational structure is actually a cause of inefficiencies. And about the same number, 40% said unclear roles and responsibilities contribute to inefficiencies. Yeah, I mean, I think every leader, every business or organization leader is always focused on efficiency. They always have been. But with all of these other things we've talked about, all of these other things changing, uh, whether internal or external, uh, it's figuring out how to keep your efficiency levels or boost those efficiency levels within these new paradigms. Mm. You know, all the things we've talked about up to this point can help boost efficiency if they find good solutions for them. But you have to make sure, you know, your organizational structure, which was mentioned, uh, technology, processes, people, none of that can obstruct efficiency. And efficiency isn't necessarily fastest. Uh, a phrase I've, I've heard crop up uh, a few times lately, I don't know where it originates, but the, the phrase is, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And I thought, hmm, that's a very interesting way to approach the concept of efficiency. Yeah, and I think every organization defines efficiency differently. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not uh, one size fits all. It's mm -hmm. not whoever makes the most widgets in an hour anymore. That's not necessarily what they're doing. Especially if because of the speed that, that the widgets were being made at, half of them are defective and have to be tossed out. Right, exactly. So that's why I think it takes all of those other nine points into account when they mm -hmm. look at efficiency. You know, I think it really comes down to though, you know, if you put all of this together, you need to be agile, have good leaders, hire the right people for the right job, and support those people in every way possible to keep them happy, and you're going to get efficiency. Oh, that, that's all we have to do? Gosh, it sounds so easy. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Just a little to-do list for 2024. Uh, McKinsey and company end their report with four action items that encompass all 10 of these organizational shifts that we're talking about. The first one is that organizations need to set a clear direction and have a plan, whether that involves just making small adjustments or some kind of radical transformation. Right. We always talk about have a plan first, please, you know, mm. look at these 10 things, figure out what you're going to do, get a real plan. And then the second and third points they said are people centered. It's Focus on cultivating talent and invest in leadership that can move that organization forward. And that's obviously based on that plan. Sure. And uh, lastly, solutions to the 10 things we've talked about need to be integrated into the systems that already exist. Well, that and all of them integrated together. Uh, all of these things are interrelated. So mm -hmm. you don't have to solve all of them at once. Mm -hmm. But you do have to consider the impact of one issue solution on the other issues. Oh, that's a great point. Actually. You know, especially we looked at one of them talks about budget. You know, right. all of these things, everything can be solved with bodies and money. Right. But uh, you need to really look at them all as a set. And if you're working on one, you know, don't sabotage your future success in another. Mm -hmm. uh, I personally highly recommend you read this report in full. Uh, and there will be a link in the transcript. Uh, because they include some tips for each of these issues, but they also have a whole bunch of best practices from leaders who found ways to address these different challenges. So those are 10 of the most common organizational shifts that businesses are dealing with 
right now through 2023 and into 2024 and beyond. It'll be very interesting, I think, to see what the new year brings, how much progress we make on these issues, and what new challenges might pop up. I'd like to thank Debbie DeWitt for talking to me today about the McKinsey & Company report on organizational shifts. Uh, thanks, Debbie. Super interesting stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see what the next year holds. Right. Make no predictions. We can predict nothing anymore. Who knows? But, you know, we live in exciting times. Yes, exactly. And that means agility is key. Uh, I'd like to thank Deb for talking to me and, of course, everybody out there for listening. As we've reminded you a couple of times already, there is a transcript on the Physics website. Go there and read and click on the links. For more free stuff, head to resources on physics.com for guides, videos, and more to help with your visual communications. Please subscribe and share and contact us for information about our digital signage solutions.